this is Working the Beat. It is Monday, October 10th, 2022. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Mike Kern will join us a little later as we talk about the world of sports. Good show today. Our guest is Tom McCarthy, the television play-by-play voice of the Phillies, who is in Atlanta. As the Phillies get ready to begin the National League Division Series, having dispatched the St. Louis Cardinals in two games in the best of three. Now they get the Braves, the defending world champions, starting tomorrow at 1 o'clock in a best of five. And then Mr. Kern will join me, and we will talk Phillies. I'm sorry, we'll talk Eagles, and then some Phillies at the end there as well. We'll have two shows this week. We'll run it back on Thursday, talk a little more about the Phillies at that point, who will be coming home for their first series at Citizens Bank Park in the playoffs in 11 years and then we'll get you set for Eagles Cowboys 6 and 0 I'm sorry 5 and 0 versus 4 and 1 in week 6 as we get underway but right to the interviews let's start Tom McCarthy uh, joined us from Atlanta where him Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson will call the game on 94 WIP this weekend he also did Georgia uh Georgia Auburn on Saturday for CBS we talked a little bit about broadcasting as well but mainly about baseball. Here's Tom McCarthy here on Working the Beat. Well, for the first time in 11 years, the Phillies made the playoffs, and for the first time in 11 years, they will play in the division series uh, starting on Tuesday against the Atlanta Braves at Truist Park in suburban Atlanta, Cobb County to be specific. And joining us now from Atlanta, he spent all, all Georgia weekend. He was down there covering for SC, the SEC on CBS. He covered at uh Auburn in Georgia, and now he will do on radio as part of uh, the broadcast team with uh, Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson a couple innings. It's the television voice of the Philadelphia Phillies, Tom McCarthy. Tom, how are you? Kevin, I'm doing great. Nothing better than being in Atlanta for a postseason game. It's going to be great. That is the new ballpark. That's like the the battery behind you, correct? It looks uh, actually, it. we're in Buckhead. Oh, yeah, you're in Buckhead. Does, okay. It's, it's it's extremely similar. Um you know, a lot of the structures here, like you would imagine, just like Philadelphia, are very similar. Um, this is, we're about a half hour from there. This is a, our team hotel that we used to stay in. We actually stayed a little closer during the course of this year, but because we have such a big traveling party, um, our old team hotel was able to accommodate us, which is great. Um, so it gives us a, you know, a lot of things around here, but also gives us pretty good access to the ballpark, too. And that battery is awesome. It is. You know, I was against them moving to Truist Park. Not that I had any say, because yeah. I like Turner Field. I thought Turner Field was great. It is kind of um, an Atlanta thing, though, to replace things after 20 years. I mean, you know, they replaced it the Georgia that way. <laughs> they yeah. I, I like Turner Field. I, you know, the couple times I had been there, it was very nice. It was it was not yep. only a great neighborhood, but it was, it, you know, it, it just was a, a, a nice park. It was kind of a little cookie cutter, but it was nice. Um yeah. What is the mood in Atlanta knowing it's the Phillies and not the Cardinals coming to town? Well, I, I think that for them, they're kind of excited about it because they know the Phillies extremely well. Um, I, you know, I think that they also, I mean, this is a football town, even though the Falcons are not great, but they're also a college football mm-hmm. town. So we were out watching the Eagles game yesterday as a group, um, and you can sense that it's, it's a football town. But I, I think they're excited about it. You know, somebody said that there are tickets still available, which surprises me only because they draw so well. I mean, they've had like 45 sellouts this year, so I can't imagine that there'll be a seat to be had. But that's good for the Phillies fans that are coming down, you know, to to see this series, if there are any coming down to see this series. But I, I think that they, you know, they're different than I think the Philly fan is as far as their energy level outside of the games themselves. So uh, I think they're excited about, I think they think that it's a better matchup for them than the Cardinals, but you know, uh, only time will tell. And and that was one thing, you know, you see so much of this in the way, you know, when you play division rivals and it's funny in the national league, we're going to have two division rivals in both DSs going against each other. And there's a familiarity. And some people think, well, from the Philly standpoint, that, that idea of invincibility. You're facing the defending world champs, the team that won 102 games or 101 games should be gone. But on the flip side, the Braves know exactly what they're going to be getting when, when the Phillies roll in there tomorrow afternoon. No doubt. No doubt about it. Uh, and they're going to get the three, the Phillies' three best pitchers to start, but they'll be in a different order. Um, 
But I think the Phillies feel the same thing, the same way about Max Fried. Listen, Max Fried is a really good pitcher. He's in the, the mix for Cy Young Award. But to me, the Phillies have handled him okay this year. You know, they've, they've made him work in all of these games that he has played against them. So uh, is he beatable? Yes. Can he put spin a gem up? Absolutely. But I like the fact that they're aware of him and they understand him. Uh, I think the key in this series is whether Strider pitches at all. You know, he just signed that extension today, uh, six years and $75 million. But I don't know if he's going to pitch in this series. They, they don't know if he's going to pitch in this series. So, you know, how will he be available, uh, I think, will be a real key to this series. Well, and he's missed, I think, what, four weeks now, three and a half. He was out right before – his first start missed was against the Phillies in Philadelphia. Correct. Yeah, the 15th, I think, was his last uh, – the 15th of the 18th was his last start. Which kind of makes you think – even if he starts, he's not going to be a six, no. seven inning guy that he's a part of a, uh, maybe a, I don't want to say a bullpen game. He's not that, but it's going to be one of those where you're going to have somebody behind him very quickly. I would agree with that. Um, or he's going to be used in the middle of a game right. for three innings. So let's say they go with Open Charlie up. Morton game three. Right. Yeah. Morton goes four or five and then they put Strider in there. That would not surprise me. That's the way he started this year. So that wouldn't surprise me. Kind of, not in the same vein as, as F1, because I think F1's going to be in key innings in the back end, but I do think that there's a chance Strider does that if he's available, if he's at all available. I have been pretty critical over the last couple of years about, of Aaron Nola and the way he kind of has fallen off in September. Um, but what you've seen these last two starts from him, just describe it as somebody who watches him every day, are you surprised a little bit, or is this just a pitcher who has come of age at this point? I think it's the latter. I think it's a pitcher that you have to give credit to to keep getting better. So we all want to in our life to get better. I mean, when I first started broadcasting, I don't think I was at this level. When I was a first-time father, I, w- I don't think I was at this level. But it's hard in sports to accept that, that sometimes it takes – a certain amount of time to get to this point. I think Aaron has been um, flawed in September, partly because it's a long year and he may not have built himself up to the abilities that he currently has. So he's figured out not only the nutrition part of it, but he's figured out the physical part of it. He is as physically strong now, and you can see it by the rise of his fastball and the velocity of his fastball, as he's ever been. Um, I think this was in him. But I just think it took time for him to be this way. It doesn't surprise me because of his work ethic. Um, it doesn't surprise me because of his personality. Even when he faltered in September, you never saw that face of faltering. I think we saw it a little bit a few weeks ago when he slammed his glove down mm-hmm. in the dugout. Um, that was shocking to me that he was that he displayed that kind of emotion. But maybe that's what triggered this. So I just think this is a picture that's coming of age and. Um, I think sometimes we want more from our quote-unquote aces because he was considered an ace in these pivotal moments. You know, look at Max Scherzer the other day. Yeah, he didn't look like Max Scherzer at all. Um, why was that? I have no idea. Well, and but can, I do and, think that Aaron's taking that step. And you can also look. I'll bring another name up. Kershaw's playoff history has been checkered at best. Of course, of um, course. So I think you're right. I think we sometimes examine, and I'm guilty. You know, and I think a lot we of us all, the, we all right. are we're all guilty of it. All guilty that of it. you look at these moments, and especially because in the course of a summer, you kind of wander in and out of baseball. It's one of the joys of baseball that you you follow it, but you're not riveted on every pitch. When you get to this time of year, you're riveted on every pitch, and when somebody gives something up, I think that's the mental image everybody has, and I think that's kind of stuck with me right. a little bit. Um, yeah, I think so because because those are pivotal times, and and believe me, we're all guilty of that. I agree with that. Uh, their lineup though, you know, they won, they won with a big inning in game one, you know, Harper hits the bomb in game two to kind of, you know, set a good tone, but the rest of the lineup is not clicking right now, especially Hoskins, Hoskins and Castellanos are really struggling. If they have any, yeah, shot in think, this, if they have any shot in the series, they have, they have to get those two going, right? Absolutely. Positively. And I think Schwarber too. I mean, Schwarber had two big sack flies. I mean, right. they were big. Um, in their own way. Make but, good contact. You know, he's got to get going, too. Right. Yeah, make good contact at the right time. 
But I think absolutely they, they've got to get it going. I think it's even, and this might be wrong, but it's even more on the shoulders of Reese than it is Castellanos because Reese is the number two hitter uh, to get on base for somebody like, you know, whether it be JT in the three hole or Bryce, depending on how they set things up, because there are a lot of lefties in this Braves bullpen. So you may see the same kind of lineup uh, in this series that Rob's going to throw out there. So, yeah, I think they definitely do. Um, they can't always rely on their pitching because they've done that often this year where their pitching has not gotten the run support. I mean, think about Aaron. Aaron's number seven in the least amount of run support the whole year, which is why his win-loss record is under 500. So, yeah, I think they definitely have to get things going. Somebody asked me the other day, who's the key to this game, too? I said it was Reese, and obviously he didn't do anything, but I still think he's the key because he's the bridge to the middle of that order. So whether it's the first time through or the second time through, they've got to get to Harper and JT in these RBI situations. How comfortable do you think Rob Thompson is with the back of his bullpen right now? I mean, he went to Eflin the other night, and Mm -hmm. actually both nights, and it was a little shaky at times, but he got the job done. Um, Does he maybe switch things around to Averado in the back end? Robertson looked good, actually, on on game one against the Cardinals. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to stay the same, Kev, honestly. And, and I looked at Zach. The only thing I was surprised about was that he put Zach in in the second day in a row just because they're trying to be really careful with the knee. Right. I actually looked at it as that, that Zach was okay because he was pitching to contact. I did not sort of waver at all um, in game one. Game two got a little wonky at the end, absolutely did. But I think he's going to keep it basically the same. I do think he's... He's invigorated by what Robertson looks like right now because he's had a little time off. Um, and I would not be surprised if Alvarado got some more key time, key spots in this. But I do think that if given the chance, because of pitching the contact, that Eflin will probably be in the eighth or ninth inning in the series. And Dominguez, who struggled coming into the playoffs, had a really big stretch there you know, in game two where he gets Goldschmidt and Arenado and kind of gets the, the, the Cardinals' really last big threat out of the way at that point. I mean, Yeah, I, I, I thought his, the fact he went to his four-seamer and sinker, like he was throwing too many sliders in that outing, and then he just went to this, the fastball. I thought that was huge. I think it was huge for his head, too, for his psyche as well. I, I, you know, for someone who, I mean, you travel with this team every day uh, from Feb, you know, March to October. Um what has these 11 years been like? I mean, cause you, you're, you're, you're not, you're not one who overly, you don't go over the top, but you also can throw, you know, an honest uh, appraisement of what's going on in your broadcast. How much lip biting has there been at times over these huh. last 10 years, especially? I think there's, there's been a lot to be honest with you. You know, I do feel like we have to stay, sort of uh, tempered, you know, because we, this could be a bash fest every day if you want, if you let it be. And that's for any sport, but there's been a lot of lip biting. Um, We've been close on some occasions, but I haven't seen this clubhouse, this environment since the 2010 season or even the 2009 season. It wasn't even this way in 2011 as much as it was. Um, it was di- it was it, different because the pitchers kind of yeah. did their thing and the hitters did their thing. Exactly. So I think this is a, you know, it, I. it's funny. You, you, it's like anything else. It's a habit. You know, we were in a habit of getting to the postseason. And then you're all, then all of a sudden, you know, people don't even, the conversations aren't even about you or about, you know, and when I mean you, I mean the team. Right. When it comes to September, October, it, it, it goes the other way. Um, so it was weird these last 10 years because I remember looking at wheels during the, I think the 2010 or 11 season. And I said, man, this is awesome. We are going to get to the postseason. It's great getting to the postseason every year. And he looked at me and goes, just enjoy it. It doesn't happen every year. I'm like, ah, it's like when he used to tell me that I was going to need reading glasses. And I went, ah, I'll never need reading glasses. <laughs> And now I need reading glasses. So um, it was prophetic, and it was one of those that you really do appreciate it when it's here, uh, and you have to because it's really hard to win. And Major League Baseball's made it a little easier to get to the postseason now. Yeah. So 
you know, now you hope that this is a, a common occurrence for the team. You, you were in Georgia, as we mentioned this weekend. So you're watching these broadcasts remotely like the rest of us. And I know, yeah. you know, Michael K. I think, I think you, you Mike are actually not, you know, cause you see each other at spring training too, right? I mean, yeah, we talk often. I mean, we talked a lot before leading into the series. Um, how different is it to to watch somebody else? I know you know there's the Sunday night games, which are the one offs and everything, but these are the most important mm-hmm. games for a broadcaster to call, and you're not there. How tough is it? That's hard. I mean, it is. It's hard. I'll, I'll admit that, Kev. I mean, it's. Um, but I understood that when I when I moved from radio to TV that that there wouldn't be as many responsibilities. You know, this is like for us. This is Scott's platform, and I'm just there to kind of help. Um, not him, but just the broadcast team in general. So you look at this, and it, it, you do feel this sort of this sort of pit in your stomach, like, man, I would love to be able to do that and do it with my crew. You know, do it with Jeff Halleckman, do it with Nick Marquetta, do it with the best camera crew uh, crews in, in in Major League Baseball. But in the reality of it reap the benefits of these TV deals mm-hmm. players do we do as broadcasters we do as an organization um, but it is hard hard to watch it and I have empathy for Michael uh, because he's trying to tell a story of a team that he, he's only seen from a distance uh, and that part is hard too um, so yeah I mean I, I've tried to I try to keep in contact with him to help him whenever I could uh, he's a really good dude and um you know, it was extremely receptive to the things that he and I were talking about. I know Fox has the broadcast for the National League playoffs, the rest of the National League playoffs. I think it's I think it's TBS this week. No, no, uh, no, it, it's Fox because they're Is on Big Fo- they're on Big Fox tomorrow and uh, Wednesday. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Which yeah. would, which would mean either I assume Joe Davis and Smoltz, maybe. I don't even know who it is. Quite frankly, um, you know, I thought. I don't even know who it is. They, I right. don't think they've announced it as of yet. Right. So, I mean, but there'll they'll be folks that will under, I think, have a, a good understanding of the team because they've been here before. Before. Um, is it, you talked about that drought and, and you got used to it over those 11 years. I think we all got used to those five years and, and the park being filled in October and the yeah. life. And oh, everything. yeah. So, how fascinated are you going to be by what it's going to be on Friday, whether it's a late oh, afternoon or an, or an evening game? Uh, I cannot, I can't wait, Kev. I really can't. Um, it's good. I, I know it's going to be loud. I know it's going to be loud. I know it's going to be, you know, it'll be the loudest I think of, of any stadium in the national league. Cause these, cause folks, I mean, think about the weekend we have. I mean, you've got two games potentially yep. at home and then you got the Eagles and Cowboys on Sunday night. I mean, this is, this is a city that deserves this kind of weekend. It really does. And, and it's strange because everybody made such a big deal about the attendance down the stretch and that the attendance was down. Well, part of that was, you know, it, it, it is the third wild card. It, people didn't quite, I think, understand it maybe. And the, other maybe. Part, and the other part was people forget they had no season ticket base really they could sell to until early March because of the lockout. So – a lot of t- and they were not good early, so people were not necessarily buying tickets the way they were. But the fan base and the interest, the ratings on on NBC Philly is have been pretty good. The fan base is interested. It just maybe doesn't trans. It didn't translate early. I think it'll translate obviously on Friday. Yeah, I, and I also think it was kind of a fickle year for the team too. Yeah. I mean, you know, there was there were seven games under five hundred at one point and left for you know left for dead firing a manager. Um, fired a manager, but then played really well, but then didn't to start September. So there's an up and down that the fans have to gauge as to whether they want to be vested into um, a, a team. So, it, you know, would you love to have had more people in September? Absolutely, because we've talked at nauseum to these players about, man, wait until you see this place packed. And I know they're probably looking that looking at it and wondering, well, when's that going to be? Well, it's going to be this week, right? But you know, it's like any it's like anything else. You have to prove that you are this um, headlong into this to convince a lot of folks that you're actually headlong into this. So uh, I think we're at that point now. Uh, 
so this will be, I think it's what, 17 days they'll be on the road before they get home on Friday? I don't know, but I'm running out of underwear, to be honest with you, Kev. <laughs> Tom, I didn't, um, I, didn't, I didn't need to know that. But all right, you. let's say I'm, ru- I'm running out of socks. Socks, that's that. fine. Um, yeah, uh, but it's uh, it, at the 25th, I think, was when we, we went on the road. So it it's one of those things. It was strange. I remember Schwarber saying on the last home game, you know, it builds you. It can build you, and especially yeah. when you start as awfully as it did in Chicago. Uh, Didn't start well, no. No, I mean, yeah, uh, that probably was a better way to phrase it than I did, but okay. Yeah, it really didn't start well. (laughs) Didn't start well. Um, How much do you think this could help this crew beyond this year? And I know rosters change, and there's going to be changes on this roster next year, but going through this experience and pretty much having to do it like, you know, everybody in the room and that's it kind of mentality. Yeah, I mean, just think about that song that they were, you know, that they were playing the other night. I mean, it's a dance song, but it was basically I'm left, I'm, I'm left, I'm left on my own. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of symbolic to the way that they felt from a baseball standpoint, but I do think it, it, it does bring them together. I mean, this is a, this is what I was talking about, about it being like 2010. I mean, this is, I'm not comparing this to Jimmy chase and Ryan and Shane like that, that they're up to that level because they haven't won a world championship yet, but it's the, it's a clubhouse like that. You have all these different personalities. You know, Jimmy was different than Chase. Shane mm-hmm. was different than Ryan. But they all sort of gravitated to each other when they needed to gravitate to each other. Jason Worth, you know, yeah. is a prime example of that. So the fact that they have different personalities, but they come together at the right time, a, a trip like this does, I think, um, lend itself to, uh, to a positive vibe uh, for this club. I, I really do. Uh let me let me before I get you out of here. Uh, you've do, you've done a couple you've done a couple weeks of the NFL. Uh, you're going back. Mm-hmm. When do you know your next NFL assignment as of now? It all depends. Yeah, it all depends on what we do. Um, I may have a radio game in England uh, at some point or in Munich, uh, but that's only after we're done with everything. And uh, I don't have another college game until November. So NFL on TV probably not till December. I, I, the preparation that you have to do, and you were doing, you did one weekend where you did an NFL game on a Sunday, then you did an NFL Monday night game, correct? Yeah. Or the the, the doubleheader yeah. game up in Buffalo. Um, and you're still doing the Phillies. How have you fit all this together and made it work? I think it's more about time management than anything else. You know, you block out X amount of hours for each responsibility that you have. But I, But during that whole time, I kept saying to myself consciously, you know, the foundation is the Phillies and it always will be. So whatever I do with, to prepare for those games cannot waver. So that's what I would do. So I would get up but that week in Miami, I would get up at six and do football from six until uh, 10, uh, mm-hmm. maybe get a workout in and then begin the Phillies prep until I get on the bus. And then the next day I would do the Buffalo work at, you know, work from six until 10 and then continue on there. Uh, but I, my mind really enjoyed all of it, man. It was, I mean, it was awesome to be able to do stuff like that. I and mean, that's what you kind of live for as a broadcaster is to be able to juggle all those different things and just show your versatility. And uh, it keeps me going. You know, I, I get bored. I mean, Kev, you and I have known each other for a long time. Yeah. I get bored really easy. Um, and when I get bored, uh, I either eat or I pace. Mm-hmm. So by having work, it keeps me from doing both. Um, so that's, you know, particularly when I'm not home at home, I can at least do stuff around the house to get myself my right. time to, to pass by. So it was awesome. I mean, it was a great week. Is that, uh, I loved every bit of it. Is that the old newspaper background though? Like I, I tend to think that those, those of us in newspapers, who, we like being hands in, like I used to love doing Phillies and then go into Eagles or filling it on flyers or something because it kept me busy and it kept you engaged. Um, I think that's the key. I think it it kept me engaged. It keeps me engaged. It keeps my mind moving. And I think that all of those other sports, a help me as a broadcaster because moving from radio to TV definitely helps me because it's such a different environment, but also it keeps me engaged with people and it makes me a better interviewer. It makes me a better conversationalist. Um, 
Yeah, I just think one makes me, makes it better than the other. I mean, there are times where I say, man, I'm a better football broadcaster than I am baseball broadcaster, a better basketball broadcaster than football broadcaster. But then I realize that they're all different, so I'm going to be different on each of them, but they'll all make me better for the other one. Do you think the one sport is your strongest? Yeah, I think football is probably my strongest. Um, I think it's because of the pace of the game and the cadence in my voice. I think sometimes I have to fight myself with the with baseball because it's a little slower just to kind of let it breathe a little bit more. So I'm always battling that, particularly on TV, because I do think that um, that there are times where the game itself, you're wondering, okay, do I have to have a piece here? Do I have to have a piece there? So I think the pace and cadence of football lends itself to my pace and cadence um, I don't know why that is. I just think it's the end. There's a, there's a height that's, that's from start to finish mm-hmm. at a football game. And I think that sometimes my voice has a height from start to finish. Um, so realistically, I would say probably football fits my, you know, my broadcast cadence a little bit more than all the other sports. Although basketball, I think is fairly close too because there's a certain pace to that, too. And you mentioned about with baseball. You also have had a ton of different partners. I mean, you had Wheels and, and Sarge there at the beginning. Yeah. But, but then you had Jamie and Matt and then Ben and Crocker, and it's kind of been an interlocking over this 11 years, ironically. it feels. I like, like that, though. You do? I like it. Yeah, I like it. I like having different personalities. I, I think it. I think it's good for the fan base to get, to, get, get different feels for things. Um Everybody's quite, different. It's not quite what the Yankees have, where it's three man booths with K every no, night, and no. it's like four different people rotating in and out constantly. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, as a TV broadcaster, particularly for baseball and with the Phillies, I'm I feel like I'm just kind of along for the ride. So uh, for me, if you're a TV broadcaster, and this is the same for football, the, your color commentator is, is is your is supposed to be your star. I mean, John Cruck to me is is a star because he has the ability to you know to massage a game um, in ways that not others can do, um, and I feel the same way with football. Like when I do football with Tiki, Tiki's the star. I just have to get him from point A to point B. When I do radio, I think it's a little different. Um, I think that the play by play guy is the most important piece to the puzzle when it comes to to radio. So because you have to I describe the play. Yeah, you're kind of in I mean, there's not many people like I, to me, TV is a team effort. You know, I've got Jeff Halleckman. I've got these great camera operators. I've got my stat guy, Carl Graber. Yep. I've got all these people that I'm relying on their best talents to make the broadcast the best it possibly can be. And I like that as a team player. Um, I think from a radio standpoint, there's less people involved. So you have more responsibility to tell the story. Um but I like the different partners because I think they all have different personalities. And that to me during a 162 game or in this, this year was 150 because of national games. Right. Um, it just makes it different. It makes it fluid. And, and you just have to be accepting of all their personalities because you have to know what will make it, you know, what you can, you know, conceptualize as making it work. And you, and you have to know yourself because, and look, you know, Scott, Scott and I have talked about this for a little bit too. When I've asked him if he ever had interest in TV and he said, not really because he likes having the idea of the, the, the last game. If you're on radio, you get the call the last game. No doubt. And that he doesn't have to hear a producer or director that he can set the stage he wants. And yeah. And I was happy when he wanted to do TV this year when I wasn't there because I think it will make him even better at what he does to understand that there's a different, there's also a different way to do things. Um, that TV is different than radio. And that's why when he wanted to do it this year, he and I talked about it and I said, well, I've wanted you to do it for years. And I think it's great, uh, that you're, you're, you're taking that opportunity because, you know, I miss probably six games a year just as he misses. I think he misses nine, on radio, it gives Murph or my son a chance to slide in and do radio there, too. Tom McCarthy, one of the voices, the television voice of the Philadelphia Phillies and who was in Atlanta, will be on radio this week. Are you doing the fourth and fifth? Is that what it's going to be? I think it's the fifth and sixth fifth I'm going to do. Six? Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so I'm excited, though, man. It's awesome. So I'm you, appreciative that, the, that, my, free, that our, our room 
Yeah. Fransky gets to throw the keys to LA to you for a couple innings and say, kind of, you know, That's hey, make right. sure it's, make sure That's it doesn't right. go into the wall. Yeah. Point. I mean, we, we, you know, as you know, we are so close as a group yeah. that it's uh, it's great to just be part of it. And that's rare, we should point out, right? I mean, there's would, some there's some broadcast teams. So. I mean, it's it's less now than it used to be. I think now, I mean, across the board, you have, uh, you know, you do have camaraderie that right. go. We see it. I mean, you can see it with the Braves. You can see it with the with the Mets. I mean, you can see it with all these guys. There's a camaraderie that they all have. Yeah, there were a, in the old days back when I started in the early 2000s. There were a couple broadcasters that the radio and the TV. There was a little bit of a friction. I think it's fair. Yeah, to say. it's different personalities. Yeah. yeah. Tom, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining us. All right, Kev. Thanks, buddy. All right, no problem. And we'll be back on work on the beat right after this. Joining us now is Mr. Kern, who uh, I'm sure has been caught up in the entire weekend of action. And uh, Mike, let's start with the let's start with the Phillies. I mean. Your initial thought as they go into Atlanta uh, to face the Braves after uh, taking out the Cardinals in two games? Yeah, I mean, yeah, great. They won a series. Um, they won't be favored, but they're not supposed to be favored. Um, doesn't mean they can't win. Uh, we saw some upsets. That, you know, you wonder how the rest is going to impact the Braves, if at all. You know, some teams get rest, and then, and they're, you know, baseball is kind of a game of. Um, continuity and rhythm and, and that kind of thing. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I don't know. Is the one pitcher going to pitch, the rookie? Strider, the it was funny. When we had T-Mac on uh, this morning, uh, he said Strider, they think may, but he, they're not sure what kind of a role. Right, um, yeah. So so you're taking a, a, a you know, you're a, taking a big arm out of the rotation. Yeah, who's 4-0 um, against the Phillies this year, we should point out. Yeah. Shane Strider. Um, look, you're, you're going to get – I think it would behoove you to try to win one of the two in Atlanta. Obviously, that's what anytime you're the visiting team in best of five or best of anything, you want to win on the road. The Phillies, you know, the Phillies this is going to be like their what? They're like 11th and 12th or 13th straight road games. Well, I mean, they haven't played at home in forever. Right. It'll be uh, road games 13 and 14 before they come okay. home, but it'll be 17 so, days on the road. Right. So Friday will be nuts down in South Philly. Now, that could work one of two ways. You know, it's nuts. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, I think the Phillies may feel a little pressure Friday because it's their first home game in two weeks, and they want to play well. But you got to get you, you probably got to get one or two in Atlanta. I think they have a legitimate chance. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to throw Wheeler. Look, they're going to throw Wheeler in two and Nola in three, and Nola will get an extra day's rest. And they didn't give up a run. Right. Either of them. And they've both been really good. This last month. Well, and you also had to, you have Suarez, who's your number three. You were able to use, yeah. you're able to push him back and use him in game one, as opposed yeah. to having to use him in game three, which makes that, who if if they have been forced to play Sunday, it would have made it really difficult to see who would have started game one. Probably Syndergaard. Um, Syndergaard would have started. I don't think they would have started Falter. Um, but again, you, you know, at this time of the year, you do what you do. Other teams are in the same position the Phillies are in, you know, they've got two really, really good. And uh, now, and again, uh, I don't think people in this town can ever criticize Aaron Nola again. And no, I know and I'm one you know, of them. You were pretty good, that, but that's fine. It was okay yeah. that you were because he hadn't pitched well in September um, for teams that maybe weren't as good as this, but he's been, except for that one inning a couple of weeks ago where he gave up the four runs. I mean, he, him and we are, are, are as good as, any two you're going to throw out there, I think, at this point. And he gives them a puncher's chance. He gives them a they puncher's them a, chance right. in that series. Now, the, the lineup concerns me because they ain't hitting. Oh, they need- and we've seen a lot of that this year. But, again, you get in the playoffs. And what, What's the old cliche, Kevin? You know, good pitching beats, beats good, good hitting. hitting. You know, and, and I think we've seen a lot of that. Um, not many of the games were high-scoring games in these playoffs. Um, and what a weekend for baseball. I mean – you know that that Saturday, you know the, the Guardians game, yeah, and then you follow it with the with the Toronto game. I mean, and then the Phillies game. I mean, you're not going to get three better games in that one day. And that whole Padres series capping off oh. last night with Musgrave with Buck Showalter having Musgrove's ears checked. Right. I mean, so what's better that the Phillies won or that the Mets lost? You know, yeah, I was I mean, thinking that. I, boy, I'll you tell know, you. I mean. Obviously, the Phillies winning, but it's like the cherry on top that the Mets got beat. I, I saw somebody like tweet out, it's unfair to 101 team 
101 win team gets knocked out in three games. And my point no, is, it's not. my point it's is, not. win the division. You had the division you know, by the ten games. Had, win the division. But you had three at home, Kevin. Yeah, I know. I mean, and I get it. The, the Padres are a good team, just like the Phillies are a good team. Uh, but the, the funny thing with the Mets, I mean, you think about it, their whole year, nothing went wrong until that series with Atlanta. Uh, I mean, they led the whole way. They won a hunt, like you said. They led from the start. I mean, they had yeah, they had the injuries, the Scherzer and the Grom. So it wasn't like yeah. it was but smooth sailing. Does. But yeah, I mean, they were everybody still. Everybody has injuries. Um, when you have 39-year-old pitcher and then you have the other pitcher who's had arm trouble the last three years, I mean, that that's that stuff happens. And, and let me clear up one thing, and, and God bless him. There's, there's, a, there's some guy, Derek, who listens to our show. He likes our show. He don't make fun of Derek. Derek. You know, don't say anything about Derek. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm not. Derek, that's not what I said. Like, you, when you listen to our show, and again, what I said was, it would have been great if the Phillies and Mets had drawn each other because think about the hatred between the two. I didn't say it would be better for the Phillies to play the Mets. I just said, can you imagine if the Phillies had been playing the Mets on Friday? I, I mean, oh. you know, there would have been fist fights in City Field, you know, you know. But again, so Derek, I appreciate the fact that you listen and whatever, but just don't put words in my mouth or misconstrue it. I would never say that playing the Mets would have been better than playing the Cardinals. But that's okay because, you know, it doesn't matter now anyway. I I think this series, I think the Braves will win this series, but I think it's going five. I do. Well, yeah, everybody's going to. I mean, look, you don't think the Braves are going to win in three because the Phillies probably are going to win at least a game, you would think. And if they can win at least a game, you know, that means they can win two. Yeah, um, it's, it's a question. Can the Phillies find a win in the non-Wheeler-Nola games? Well, but, but that's assuming, Kevin, they have to win the Nola. See, that's the, the, the premise that we've gone on all year. Right. Oh, Nola's on the map. They've only won like half their starts or a little over half their starts. I get that's it. That's when you're right. there. You're right. No, you're yeah, absolutely Nola's right. 11 and 13. Well, he's 12 and 13 now. How can Nola be 12 and 13 with the with the numbers that he's put up? But I would, incredible. Mike, I would say this. If the Phillies don't get wins in the Wheeler-Nola games, they have no prayer in this series. Well, well let's say they get one. Let's say they get one of those two. Then they'll lose in four. Well, see, I, I'm not ready to quite go there yet. I mean, I think they have a – I'll give them like a 30% chance to win this year. 25 30% chance. Okay. Whatever I'm, I'm about to, the same um, ballpark, but I'm I'm giving them that Yeah, they win the Wheeler-Nola starts and they struggle with Suarez and Syndergaard. I think, if, and, I think if they win games two and three, I think they have a pretty good shot at winning the series. We'll see. Because uh, all you got to do is win one more game. By the way, I, I saw everybody tweet out about the fact that one o'clock starts and everything. You know, people... It's amazing to me how people feel. Like, they're upset about the 1 o'clock start tomorrow. Kevin, they like to complain. This yeah. is the world we live in, dude. But it's they like people would complain if it was 8 o'clock and going towards midnight. And, oh, my God, these kids can't watch games. And you know. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, if they get to a game five, they're going to be playing opposite the Eagles. Yeah, I know. And people will bitch about that. Well, what do they want them to do? They're playing Saturday night in Philly. They got to fly to Atlanta without a day's rest and play a game. And you're going to ask them to start at three in the afternoon. Yeah, and that's part of the compressed schedule because of the um, because of the lockout that they're trying to get all this right. done. So that travel day in between games four and five yeah, is you done. Put two TVs in your house, or or you flip back. You do whatever you got. Put do. an iPad you, on your lap, and yeah. that's a good problem to have. If the Phillies are playing Sunday and the Eagles are playing Sunday. That's a good problem to have. Let me ask you about the Eagles. It wasn't always pretty, um, but they win twenty to seventeen yesterday in Arizona. It's a look. It's a win. It's a good win. That's I a don't place get where they don't win a lot. Was it? They've had trouble in Arizona. They've had trouble in Arizona. Yeah, they haven't won in two since two thousand one. Yeah. Do you look around the NFL? Do you see what happens in the NFL? Teams lose to teams that on paper they shouldn't lose to, or at least by the odds makers' description of it. The Giants beat the Packers. The Cowboys beat the Rams. Um, there's probably another one or two I'm missing. It's a win, people. It's a win on the road. With three okay. offensive linemen hurt. I Look, it, I mean, it's I'm, a win. Right. It, that, I'm kind of saying that. Three of your starting offensive linemen are out, and you still found a way to win a game on the road. That's pretty damn Seven, good. They're 5-0. and oh. Right. If they go 8-4 and four the rest of the way, okay? And you try – you go through their schedule and come up with four losses. 
It's not easy to do. Now, again, they're going to lose a game or two that maybe they shouldn't lose. Could and be this week. Jalen Hurts could get hurt next week. But yeah. if they go eight and four, that's 13 wins. Mm-hmm. That will probably get you the number one seed in the NFC. Probably. Yeah. Now, I don't think there's any probably about it. I don't well, see any other team winning 13 games. Maybe Dallas. <laughs> maybe. I'm telling you, the two teams right now, if I'm the Eagles, and when you look around the end, and it's only October. I get it. Things can change in two months. Tampa doesn't look right. No. Um, Green Bay doesn't look right. But they've got great quarter. They've got all-time quarterbacks. I get it. The Rams, they can't match. They're a disaster. Be out by week eight. They're a disaster. He has a, yeah. has a bad hand. He has a bad elbow. He's, and, he and, and they don't have the weapons. Fifty times a game. And they don't have the okay. weapons they had last year. Taking OBJ two, out of that team really changed the two, their dynamics. The two teams that would scare me are the Niners and the Cowboys. Only because the Eagles have a good defense. Okay? The Eagles have a good defense. Dallas has a great defense because Dan Quinn can coach defense. And the 49ers have had a great defense for years now. And Garoppolo's been to a Super Bowl. Yeah. And he's went to the NFC. I, I tell you, the best thing happened to the 49ers this year was Trey. I, I never forgot he hurt. Don't. But Trey Lance going down and Changed not the dynamic. Jimmy and having Jimmy, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a really interesting game. I, w- I would throw out. Minnesota in that mix, too. Yeah, I, I would, too. But Minnesota just doesn't scare me as much. I don't know why. Maybe Cousins. Oh, by the way, did you see Carson Wentz throwing end zone? Yeah, I, I, I was going to bring that up, but go ahead. And, and, but he, here's the thing. I have no problem with the Eagles taking Devontae Smith when they took him, right? They needed a receiver because they'd screwed it up the year before. And I sat there, and I didn't know as much about Michael Parsons as you did. I know he missed the year. I know he had baggage. I if you're going to praise Parsons. me on this, go right ahead. Get, take all the time you want. <laughs> well, no, 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 because I understood why they took Devontae. And yeah. Devontae's a really good player. But I was not, not I was a Michael Parsons guy. I was a big I was, Michael Parsons well, guy. When I looked at the board, I just, I just thought Michael Parsons was going to be really good. I didn't know he was going to be this good. But, again, they needed a receiver because they'd screwed up the year before. And, and look, I'm not going to knock them for taking Devontae Smith. I, I don't mean it. But I think that if Michael Parsons, if injuries don't, whatever, he could go down as an all-time. He's, La- he's Lawrence Taylor. He is. He's, he's Lawrence Taylor. I mean, look, I've been watching football for – I mean, linebacker was a different position back when Buck yeah. played and Jack Lampert played and guys who were great like that. But he is – to me, he's the closest thing I've seen – to Lawrence Taylor, who I consider one of the, I don't know, two, three, four best defensive players ever. Reggie White would probably be in that conversation. Maybe Aaron Donald is. I don't know. There's some guys I'm sure I'm not going to name everybody because there's different positions. This guy's a terror. Now, if he had come to the Eagles, would the Eagles have used him the same way? I don't know. You yeah, know, but, but the the idea that he can he could drop back in pass coverage, he can go rush the quarterback, he can play phenomenal run defense. It's pretty remarkable to watch. And you're right. Well, I guarantee you, when the Eagles coaches are looking at film this week, the first thing is Parsons. They're going to say, what do we do with Micah Parsons? Now, he's got a groin injury, so it's not certain how effective he's going to be. Yeah, but that's fine. Yeah, I mean, he came back in that game, but yeah. the groin injuries are groin injuries are goofy. You know, they're, they, they can, that can sideline you for And if you're not careful, you aggravate it. And, um, yeah. I mean, I think one of the more interesting things is how are the Cowboys going to play when Dak comes back? Because if the Cowboys go back to playing the way they did, then they're stupid. You, well, you put Dak back in the lineup, but you run the ball. You, you don't. Dak doesn't have to throw for 400 yards. Oh, well, Mike, I, I'm I'm a big believer in Tony Pollard should be touching the ball a ton for the Cowboys. Well, he will. As he, you, you, you I mean, he should be their feature back as opposed to Zeke Elliott. Well, at this point. I agree with you. But again, Zeke is Zeke, and I think Zeke still has a role. Zeke is. Oh not yeah, he does. But but um, yeah, that stuff's hard sometimes, Kevin. You know, because because there is because it's finances involved, and and you got McCarthy's your coach, and yeah, I mean, whatever. Um, but when when all I'm saying is what they've done with this quarterback, you know, is is because they haven't tried to throw for 400 yards, and they realize that their defense is so god darn good. That they they don't, I don't think they've given up twenty points in a game yet this year. No, you ain't no. going to lose many games. I, I, and the Eagles haven't given up twenty points, I, I think, except for the first game, right against Detroit. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and you know, and look, the Eagles have not been a great second half team this year. Part of that, I think, is that they haven't had to. 
you know, they've been in control of most of the games, and they, I think they've kind of put it in cruise control a little bit. I heard people ripping Gannon today. Oh, my God. Because because what? Because the Cardinals came back, and, and maybe you were playing a little bit of a, pre, a softer defense. I mean, that stuff happens in the NFL all the time. Uh, well, you know, the guy just had three great weeks. So, okay, but, that, that, but that's Philadelphia, man. They're, they're you know, well, it's... And, and, and- Shame on Kyler Murray for not knowing where the sticks were. Just well, yeah, it's a bad, yeah, but but that happens. I mean, and, and the coat, you know, I was listening to ESPN day, and, and the one guy, um, Dan Yorlowski, uh, had a good point that you have to have two plays called in that huddle. Yeah, you do. That's on the coach. You know, um, yeah. Did Kyler make? Yeah, you know, he came up a half yard short. I get it, and it's a tough situation because they had to use a timeout when their player got injured after the Eagles kicked the field goal or something. They had to take their last time out, but yeah, they didn't manage that correctly. I mean, I I get it, but and, and I should point know. out, Matt Amendola is somebody who went to North Penn. Uh, he's a local kid. Uh, oh, really? I didn't, I didn't realize. Yeah, that. Matt Matt is a local kid. Uh, that's a tough spot for a kid, for somebody basically off off the street. You know, Matt was with the, the Chiefs earlier and all that. Uh, what was that? Was that on Fox yesterday? Was that who had the game? Uh, Fox had it, yes. I give them so much credit because before he tried the field goal, they, because they were showing they were showing the misses and warm-ups going I mean, that it way. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And then that he would go and do that. That was a really good production crew thing. But yeah. yeah, hey, look, even if he makes it, doesn't mean the Eagles are going to lose the game. I mean, oh, no. And they, you know. they would have still had 20 seconds, but probably would have just taken it to overtime at that point. Yeah, um, yeah probably. It, it's, yeah. Fu- it's funny because after the game, if you listen to the morning show this morning, they were playing the clip of Justin Pugh defending Amendola at his locker. Uh, right. You know, one one's a Council Rock South guy, one's a North Penn guy, both from the Suburban One League. The kid missed a field goal. I know. People miss field goals. I know we, we take field goals for being, like when the guy from Baltimore's kicking it, right? You're just sitting there going, well, this is good. You know, because... Yeah, Justin Tucker that, struck again so, last night. Yeah. And there's some guy, and look, I, I don't know what the, their success rate in the NFL is. What's it, like 82% or 80 I don't know. I'm, I'm not up I think we numbers, take field he, goals for granted anymore because they make so many long ones. Yeah, I mean, the kid missed a field goal. Yeah. It's, it's you know. And it would have tied it. It would have tied it. It wasn't. Yeah. yeah. But again, I mean, the Eagles guy could. I'll tell you what impressed me almost the most. And by the way, this is a quick aside. The NFL has to do something because I saw it about four times yesterday. I saw it twice with jail and at least – where the guy, the running back, comes up and pushes the quarterback. That's illegal. Yeah. You can't do that. No, no, they changed that rule, Mike. Oh, you can? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, the, bu- the, bu- oh, the bush God. push is allowed now, yes. Oh, that's awesome then. It's awesome. I saw it in a couple other games, too. I was watching the games. I'm yeah. thinking, the, the guy comes up. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. No, no, I believe that is legal because okay. I, I remember well, the bush push rule. they would have called it. Right. I mean, well, the then again, to me. While, while we're talking about bad officiating calls, did you see the roughing the passer on Grady yeah, Jarrett? Yeah, that's Tom Brady. I, I mean, look, that's they're going to do that. It, it's 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 not. Is it fair? No, it's not fair. It's wrong. You can, but in this league, with you know, did you see what happened to two when his head hit the ground? Yeah, I saw. Okay, well, that that's what you know. I, there, you know what if Tom Brady gets thrown down like that? And I, I thought it was an okay play. I didn't have any problem with it. It's a heated game. What happens if Tom Brady's head hits the ground? Then you're going to call it? I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying. Tom Brady's going to get that call. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to get that call. Um, That's what happens. The whole league is about protecting the quarterback, and I understand why. It's not fair to defensive players. I get it. But the quarterbacks are the stars of the league. They get paid $40 million a year. That's who people come to see play. And then when you see teams with bad quarterbacks, and you go, oh, God. You know, like, hey, by the way, do you know the Carolina Panthers – are three and sixteen against the spread in their last nineteen games? That That's impossible. That doesn't bode well for their head coach. Uh, no, and what doesn't he have? A quarterback. He doesn't have a quarterback. Look yeah. at the teams that don't have quarterbacks. Look at Mike Tomlin now. How, is Mike Tomlin a bad coach? No, but he doesn't have a they're quarterback. A bad, they're a bad team. You know, you had Ben Roethlisberger for fifteen years, or however long you had Ben. You know, and, I look at Kevin Stefanski in, in Cleveland. I think the fact that he has that team representative at this point with yeah. you know, Jacoby Brissett as his quarterback. Now, granted, he'll get yeah. Watson at some point, but right. it's kind of a minor miracle. Yeah, I mean, look, if, again, if you had, and that's why everybody wants a quarterback. That's why people in Philadelphia were going, 
nut nut like we should sign this guy and that guy and well, well, now you might not have to sign I, anybody I will, except the guy you got. I, I mean, I, look at what Denver did. Denver went out and gave him $240 million. Yeah, he's, he ain't he's that good. toast. He's toast. He, right well, now. I'm not going to say he's toast, no, but he he's, that, he's got he's, apparently he, an arm issue again, Mike. But the, the big thing that I took out of yesterday's game from an Eagles standpoint, when they, had, they hadn't run the ball very well all day, you know, whatever. And I, I heard Sirianni today on um, Angelo's show a little bit talking about it. That last drive, they ran the ball almost exclusively. Mm-hmm. And they ran it right down the corner. And the Cardinals have a pretty good defense. Their defense isn't bad. Right. And they ran the ball and got it down. And and and, and they didn't put it, they didn't say jail and make a play or two. They just ran the ball. And it was it was it was fun to watch. Because they took like seven minutes off the clock or whatever they took off the clock and they got the winning field goal. And, you know, it's hey, look, you go on the road in the NFL and you win. I don't care who you're beating. I, I, yeah, and I knew the Eagles' schedule wasn't that tough this year, and they're not playing Kansas City, and they're not playing Buffalo, and they're not playing, you know, most of the teams that you would think of as being good teams. They're going to play Dallas twice, obviously. Uh, they're going to play Green Bay. Um, you know, they don't get Tampa, they don't get the 49ers, they don't get the Rams. But I mean, hell, yeah, like I said they're on pace for like a, even with an upset or something, or you know, losing a game here or there, you know. Um, maybe they lose one to the Giants. Maybe they lose one to the Cowboys. Maybe they lose to the Packers here. Who, who the hell knows? But again, that's a 13 and four, 14. Yeah, that's a lot of wins, man. You, you know, we, we talk a lot about um, the, the Cowboys. You know, what do we make of the Giants at this point? I think they're overachieving. I think the coach, we heard about this coach two years ago, right? He's really Eagles, good. A lot yeah. of people thought the Eagles should hire him. Um, I think the Eagles did fine. I mean, yeah, you think about Nick Sirianni. A year ago about this time when he was making the, the, the statements about the flowers and the seeds and we people it was were crazy. just like rolling yeah. their eyes. He's like the most beloved guy in Philadelphia right now. Yeah, he is. I mean. Him and, and Rob so, Thompson. You know, so I think the Giants, this is what I think of the Giants. I think Saquon is back to being Saquon a little bit, which is good, which is good for them. I still don't like the quarterback. I'm not in love with the quarterback. But. They're four and one, um, and they beat the Packers. You know, down ten. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, do I think you know what's the upside for the Giants? Can they can they maybe win ten games and get it sneak into the playoffs? Is it still it's still seventeen playoffs this year, right? Yes, it is. Okay, and I was thinking about this on my ride over to the golf course. Say, think about this: the Phillies. They get into the playoffs because there's an extra playoff team this year. Yep. Okay. They get a DH this year that allows them to play Bryce Harper, even though Bryce eventually. If those two things don't happen, let's say Bryce Harper didn't play the whole year. None of this happens. Right? Probably, yeah. But I'm just saying is they're fortunate. But, but again, I give them all the, the credit for taking advantage of that. Yeah. Like the game Friday night. The game Friday night, the Cardinals were 93-0 and in their postseason history, going back to Dizzy Dean. When they had a two-run lead going into the ninth inning, they never lost. The Phillies were 0-54 this year when they had a two-run deficit going into the ninth inning. Yet they won, and they won because the Cardinal closer couldn't find the plate for four batters or whatever. So, did they get lucky? Yeah, to a degree, sure. Because that, but they took advantage of it. You know, Arenado doesn't come up with a ball he probably should come up with. Um, and then Segura, you know, God bless him, swings at ball four, but still. Manages to hit a ground ball. I mean, it's just, you know, th- those things, when those things start happening, you just sit there and go, eh, yeah. really? Okay. You know, but to your point that you made the last show we did, regardless of what happens, you know, other than them winning the World Series, okay, which we none of us think is going to happen, but whatever. Um, let's say they lose to the Braves in four. I'll just make up a number. Um, they've got to address some things in the offseason. You know, they cannot sit there and say, hey, we're really good. (laughs) Well, and and I would say this, Mike, it's better to be doing it from the position they're going to be in, which is. And and we even, even, I mentioned this last night, Mike McGarry and I were talking from the Atlantic City Press. And Mike and I were talking about the fact that how much easier is it going to be if you're going to be in the the conversation for Trey Turner? Well, you could go, hey, Trey, it's not like a, it's not like idle hope that your team can make the playoffs and win. You've done it. And I don't yes, think dollars are go- dollars are going to play the ma- the primary role, 
I, I but, think Trey is going to end up where, I don't know. I think the bidding on Trey is going to be, I don't know. Maybe the Phillies can get. But then again, I mean, how much money is John Middleton willing to spend? Well, he's going to have, he's gonna have a decent cut, amount coming off this year, too. Yeah, but you still, you you got to make decisions. Like, you know, is Segura, Segura's one of your better players. And we always knock him because of the, you know, the thing that happened with the left fielder and sometimes he didn't hustle or whatever. He's one of their best players yeah. who goes totally under the radar. Let me put it this uh, way. If you're letting Segura walk, you better get Trey Turner. Well, I'm just saying, but what's Reese Hoskins? You know, he's a guy that hits 30 home runs. Trey Bates. He's streaky. He's, Trey you, know, he's, you, you worry about him. Um, you can't just sign everybody to $25 million contract. Oh, I agree, Mike. Yeah. And, I mean, you got and, – and the guy that you signed for $20 million last year who's going to – Castellanos, I mean, he better come around a little bit next year. You know, he. I mean, I'm not saying he has to be a superstar – but he can't be what he was this year. No. There, there's no way. Because no. um, you can make a case for benching him. I, I mean, you know, at some point, he hasn't been horrible the last month or so. I get it. But, man, it's just, um, you know, I mean, like you said last year, last week, though. Um, you know, you, 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 and I think they will. I, th- I think they're smart. I think Dombrowski's smart enough. He's, you know, they're going to say, hey, and, and here's the worst part. You're in the same division as the Braves. Yeah. The Braves ain't going anywhere. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with the Mets. Mets, I was just going to say that. The one thing thing they do have to worry about, the one fly in the ointment in this, and Tom brought it up in his thing, and I'll bring it up here. They have some strange clubhouse chemistry that's working for them right now. Like that That group seems to like each other, and in baseball that's more important than any other sport because you're around each other so much. Yeah, they do, but they didn't like each other the first two months of the season. Well... Well, I'm just saying. That's fair, too. The if you would have said to me, what's the chemistry like at the end of May, me and you would have laughed. Yeah, so is that Girardi's fault? Is that Thompson? Or is that the players? Because it's the same players that were there in May are there now. Well, I mean, Thompson's going to be your manager. Right, but why didn't they have chemistry in May is what I'm saying. Is it because Thompson let the young guys play and he had confidence in them? I think that he's changed part that. Of it. I think, I think right. that has part, been part of it. I think. Right, but, but winning, but what I'm saying, what came first, Kevin? Like, does the winning breed that? Like, when the Phillies went on that streak, you know, after Thompson took over and they, they didn't lose for, like, three weeks or whatever. Um, you know, so what happens if they start next year and you get to Memorial Day again and they're, like, a game over 500? Now, I don't know. I, I, I have, like, right now the Eagles clubhouse, I'm sure, locker room is great. You know, it's, it's what, there, there's, there's no reason why it won't be. But what if you lose two or three games in a row? You know, is, is the is, is the locker room still the locker room? Because you have guys like Kelsey and you have guys like Lane Johnson and you have guys like Jalen Hurts. Um, I'm assuming they're going to be okay. But, uh, again, it's that, it's that age-old question. Uh, I mean, the Phillies, next year you have to go into the season. they got to make the playoffs, right? Yep. Some, I mean, that's who they are now, right? They're, yeah. They're, some, bra- you know? some Braves notes from this morning's the press conferences down there. Strider threw a goal bullpen Sunday being considered yeah. for a playoff spot. He did sign a new contract, six years, $70 million. Yes, he did. Uh, Max Freed will start game one. Kyle Wright will start game two. Uh, Ozzy Albies will not be back with the series. He's still he, but he is out of a cast. So that is the Braves news. Phillies news will obviously be Suarez game one, Wheeler game two, Nola game three, and what happens with the back of the bullpen. Do you see Dominguez or Alvarado go back maybe to the ninth and they move Eflin up? Who knows? It's a I don't think so. I think I think and I'm very confused about the, the Alvarado thing. He was the best relief pitcher in baseball the last two months of the year, basically. Uh and now you're bringing him in in the seventh? Because well, I think I think it de- I think it's depending on the matchup at that point. I um, agree. But again, this guy was Pretty much lights out. And now, you know, you bring him in the seventh, he gives up a two run homer. I mean, well, the the one thing the one thing with guys like him, uh, and I'll let you go here in a second because I know you're gonna be out on your on the golf course. The one thing with him is he does get wild, so you do have yes, to watch the, you do yes, have to watch does. a guy who puts a lot of guys on base, and that's the one knock on Alvarado. So I think but that's, that's maybe why never been the, but he's he's more of a yeah, but he's more of a control pitcher. He doesn't walk a lot of guys. No, no, no. I'm not saying Eflin can't do it. I'm just saying it seems like an odd time to be doing something like this. But again, I'm not going to knock what Thompson's doing. He knows these guys. 
But again, Eflin Adam, has been Adam a most, of, most a- of his life. Adam Wainwright did this for the uh, Cardinals. I mean, this is well, kind of the Eflin's model that Adam they're going. Wainwright. I mean, no, know. no, but I'm just saying this is the model that I I would assume they're going with at this point. Hey, I I can only assume Charlie too. Morton. Charlie Morton did that for the the Astros in Game Seven of World Series and won it. No, but it's Game Seven of a World Series. We're talking about extreme circumstances. Yeah. We're talking about you get the Game Seven, anything goes. Hell, they could throw me for an inning. I mean, it's it's just what I'm saying is, and at some point, regardless of what the pitching does, somebody's got to start hitting the baseball. Yeah. I mean, like, and I don't think it's going to be Harper. I know he hit the home run. God bless him. I think he's playing through some things, and he's not. I mean, he kind of let on to Scott Lauber the other day that yeah, things ain't all right. Right. You know, and now t- and then you got to worry about is he going to have to get that surgery in the offseason, which I don't think you can avoid. But, hey, yeah. maybe there's a way you avoid it. But, I mean, somebody in that lineup. I mean, Rio Multo has cooled off a little bit. The bottom of their order has been actually what's been getting the most production. Somebody has to come alive. The magic- I don't know who, but somebody. The magic, you have to. Mike, the magic number is four. If they get the four runs Oh yeah, they never lose. They never no. lose, and yeah. I think if they get the four runs, they they can win this game or this series. Yeah. And and again, they, it, we talked about this too, and nobody knew, but they got a great matchup playing the Cardinals. Yeah, they did. Right? I, I mean, that that was just it worked out. The Cardinals were fried for reasons I don't know. Uh, the, the Goldschmidt looked like he couldn't hit a baseball if I lobbed it in there. Um, Arenado, they, they just were out of sorts. And some of that had to do with the Phillies pitching, for sure. But um, they got a great draw, and they took advantage of it. And Ollie, Mar- um, and Ollie Marble hitting Pulo second made no sense. Yeah, I, I, that, that manager did not have a good series. No, he did not. Um, but again, you know, you know, if he makes a, if they win the first game, if it, if his reliever doesn't have the hurt finger or whatever, yeah. it may, who knows? I mean, it, it doesn't matter now. Yeah. You know, the Phillies won; they're moving on, and. Um, you know, and and look, every matchup from now on. I mean, what, what the Braves, where whether they win and that they would get the Padres, or the uh, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a shocker if the NLCS was the Pods Phils? <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of awesome in a lot of ways. It'd be it would be Machado think, and Harper, Mike. Be like I think three winners ago. I think the Pods have a shot against the Dodgers. No, none. Now, only because they see them all the time. It's like. I'm not saying they're better than the Dodgers. I know they're not better than the Dodgers. Nobody's probably better than the Dodgers. Dodgers own the them, Mike. The well, Dodgers own you. them. What's that? The Dodgers own them. That's true. Yeah, you, you got a point. I mean, but let, uh, me say, but let me say this. If the Phillies had played the Mets, would everybody in Philadelphia have been saying, well, they own us? No, they yeah, I think there would have been, been a lot of people. There's a hundred reasons why the Phillies could beat the Mets. You know that you know us, Kevin. And we would have been Mike, sitting there going, "Well, you know this and this." And this. So I'm sure San Diego's sitting there going, "Yeah, Dodgers." They own us, Mike. Dodgers were 14 and five against the Padres this year. They outscored them 109 to 47. And what were the Mets against the Phillies? 14 and five, and I okay. And if the teams had drawn, had drawn each other, you're telling me nobody in Philadelphia would have been giving you 15 reasons why the Phillies could win? They would have just thrown up the white flag. Well, That's I, it. We can't beat the Mets. I think people would have been a little more realistic. No, no, there would have by, been. By the way, the run differential. Give, there the, there the, would have been people trying to give you reason to hope, and that's all I'm saying with San Diego is I think they're they're playing well right now. Um, you know they've got a couple decent pitchers. They got a couple de- decent guys in their lineup. Yep. Um, you know I'm just saying is I, I don't necessarily think the Dodgers are going to win in like four or five. Right. They might. Dot, uh, the Braves, for people who are wondering, Braves won the season series 11-8, but the runs score differential, 88-85. So it's a close series, at least. If you go yeah, by the history. The funny thing is, though, if you go back and look at the games, the games that the Braves really needed to win, they did. They won. Yeah, at the end. Yeah, and I don't know what that means now. No. I'm just saying is, the, look, nobody's disputing the fact that the Braves are the better team. They are the defending world champs. They lost Freddie Freeman, and they, they haven't lost anything. But the better team doesn't always win. Yeah, it, 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 it's we've seen that in baseball how many times? Yeah, over even just the last four or five years. So I think the Phillies have a shot, and I think the shorter the series, the more shot you have. Yep. Because like if the Phillies played the Dodgers in a seven gamer, they ain't winning that. No. You, you know, in all likelihood. Well, that's um, what would have to happen. So yeah. 
Right, but a five-game series, because then if you win one game, luckily, let's say, yeah, like the Phillies stole the, the first game. That's all you need. You need like one or two breaks. And, you know, again, I think you, you it's almost imperative. You have to win one of the Wheeler Knowles starts. You can't, you can't win, you can't lose those two games and win the other three. Yeah. All right, Mike, hit them straight. Nah, I'm just going to hit them. All right. Thanks, Mike. Okay, babe. Talk to you. Talk to you. Our thanks to Mike Kern for joining us. Our thanks to Tom McCarthy for joining us from Atlanta. We're back on Thursday. Hopefully, it'll be 2-0 Phils. This has been working to be. Well, you went uptown riding in your limousine with your fine park. Your head.